This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. We are here today with Ebony Dunbar, author of The Percival's Bennett Benefit. Ebony, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Excellent. So can you tell us a little bit about how you came up with the idea for the story? Yeah, it is so funny. I was really trying to um, write something for the FIA music issue And I also, like, I am a sucker for subverting spaces. I am a sucker for, like, romantic story. And so I I just sort of did what I usually do, which is throw a vampire at it and uh, hope for the best. (laughs) I think that's a good life lesson. (laughs) (laughs) I really love stories about about vampires. You know, a lot of people say that vampires have been overdone and, you know, they're over with and all of that, but I, I don't know. I still have, I have a soft spot in my heart for vampires. So when I first read this story, when it came out in fire, I was like, oh my God, we need this on the podcast. <laughs> so how long did it take you to write the story? Yeah, so I didn't write it for very long. I think for me, I usually, I'm actually fairly good about cranking stuff out when I wanted to do that. Um, the thing that usually takes longer is editing because I just, I have such an aversion to it. So I feel like I probably wrote it over the course of a week or two weeks, not particularly long. And then the, the thing that it probably sat for a lot longer waiting to be edited, like, hello, can you do something with me? Then it actually took to write it. So when you sit down to write, what is your writing process like? Yeah, so I have been, I'm probably less so right now, but um, I really have been a like, you know, got to get my X number of words a day person. So I do tend to just like pick a time. This is the time I'm supposed to do it. Here's the number of words for a while. That was like a thousand for a while. It was 500. It changes depending on where I am. But I just sort of sit down and say like, well, okay, so what am I trying to do? And usually there's like a character that I think is kind of interesting or a relationship that I think is kind of interesting. And I think it really, I think this story in particular started with Anna Marie and with Eleanor and kind of wanting them to have a good time. And then, you know, the English countryside uh, came up around them and I was like, okay, we're going to, this is the way we're going to go. We'll see what happens. Who knows? And I, I am not a plotter as I write. I really am a like, let's see what happens. And I usually write a ton more words than I, well, that's not true. sometimes I write a ton more words than I intend to use. And sometimes I'm like, okay, I wrote this really lean thing and now I have to go back and build out. Yeah, that's, that's what I do, too. I'm learning to try to outline some of my... It is a pain, that outlining. <laughs> and I always like diverge from it. You know, it's, it's, I'm planning on writing this, and then as I start writing it, I'm like, ooh, something shiny over here. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. It's like, wait, but this could go six different ways, and the way I wrote it down is not the way I feel like going right now. 
<laughs> so let's talk about uh, the fact that your main characters in this story are queer, as are you. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously there isn't a lot of Black queer representation out there. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> when you wrote this story and you wrote those characters, was it more about writing them for yourself or writing them for other people? Yeah, I think it's always a little bit of both, right? Like, I, I've been writing for a very long time, and I have always been writing queer characters, and I think I'm just starting to get comfortable with this idea, right, of being able to write queer brown characters, because it's not like we don't exist. We're definitely real and out here. Hi, hello, it's me. Right. But <laughs> um, you just don't see them, so I feel like I'm, I really want folks to feel like they see themselves in my work, and I also love being able to say, like, yeah, that. That badass right there fighting a vampire is just like me. Awesome. Which she is very badass. <laughs> I just, I love, love the story. You haven't heard it yet. I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, but I think that uh, both the narrator and the, the audio producer did a wonderful job with your stories. Um, you know, the theme of the Fi issue that you submitted to was music. And I'm curious to know if you would have put music in there had that not been the theme or was that kind of the impetus for putting the songs in there? Yeah, I think I honestly would not have if it had not been for the fight issue, but I think it actually adds such an interesting layer to the story, right? Because it's like, how, how many people do you know that have magical voices, that fight vampires, that do all these things? It's just such an interesting twist on the story. Yes. That I, I love that it's there and I love so I would love in, in the grand scheme of things for Percival's to be um, like a serial series or just a ton of shorts out in the world. And so I love the idea of, have, of coming back to that music and always having the like rhythm underlying. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's what sold the story for me. You know, as I was, as I was reading it, okay, I was like, you know, great. This is, you know, first of all, it's, you know, early 1900s, which is like the time period that I really enjoy um, reading about and that I love. And it's vampires and, you know, it's a black woman that's just, you know, kicking ass. And, you know, from, from that point, like I was hooked from there. But then like when the music started to come in, I was like, oh, this is really interesting. And that's, to me, that's what made it stand out and made it be a story that I was like, I have to have this story. You know, I, can't, I cannot get anything like this anywhere else. This is something that's unique. And that's the part that I really enjoyed. Thank you. You're welcome. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your writing career. Where are you at in your writing career right now? Yeah, it's so funny. I feel like such a baby writer still. Um, <laughs> You know, Fire was my first published short story. That doesn't mean it's the first story I've submitted. Um, But I'm definitely working on, you know, getting my work out there more. I'm working on, um, again, my editing nemesis. I have have a bunch of novels that I think would be great, but need a lot of editing. So I I need to battle with myself to get that done. Um, But really just like in the beginning stages, I'm kind of enjoying this like flush of, you know, that like first win and now needing to put my nose to the grindstone and get the second and the third and keep them coming. So speaking of that, how do you have the discipline to sit down every day? I know you said you schedule some time, but you know, how do you actually make yourself do that and not say, oh, you know, I've got something else I need to do? 
Yeah, it is difficult. And I, I, I think I alluded to this earlier that I'm like in this moment with my day job where um, I haven't been able to sit down and write as much, but it feels weird to not do it, right? Like it, it actually, it feels worse to not come and sit down than it does to do it. And I think it's honestly just a, you know, showing up for myself and showing up for the words it, because there's no other way. And I think once it's like with anything else, with working out, with like to putting on a new habit at, at all, you have to sit in the chair and do it. And even if what I put down is trash, at least it's <laughs> down and I can fix it later, allegedly. Um, and that's the way I, I tend to think about it, right? It's like, I cannot, I can't fix words that are on the page. I cannot, I can't sell something. I cannot submit something that's not already written and so like you just really have to or I just really have to sit down and do the thing yeah and sometimes that means it's at the exact right time and sometimes that means uh, I didn't I'm sneaking in words at random moments throughout the day but whatever <laughs> it takes to get to whatever that word count is and I think that's the other thing is I, I'm not strict about it needs to be a thousand it needs to be whatever I'm very happy to say it's 250. And if I get 250, then I feel great. I've accomplished the thing I have for the day. Check the box. I think for me and, and you know, for a lot of people, I think building a habit is, is what's most important. Once you build the habit, it's so much easier to stick to it. But actually, like, getting started and building that habit is something a lot of people have trouble with. And I read something once that um, said that you should start with a small habit. So Instead of saying, you know, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to write, you know, a thousand words, 500 words, whatever. You say, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to open up my laptop and write one word and check off the box for the day. If that's all you do, that's all you do. But you do that every single day. You say, I'm going to write down one word. And then after you consistently start sitting down and you, know, you write that one word, you generally end up writing more because you can't just write okay. one word. You write a whole sentence, right? <laughs> Right, you're tricking your brain into thinking like, "Oh, I have to write this word B, and then I'm done. It's great." But once you get into that habit and you start writing those complete sentences, you're like, oh, "Okay, well, I have a hundred words now." And then you can start building on that habit and saying, "I have 150," is what I want to do today. And you're slowly building that habit up and giving your giving yourself time to sort of acclimate to being in that headspace during that time. And that, I think that was the best advice I've ever read. Um, unfortunately, my schedule is kind of crazy and it's not consistent. <laughs> so it's uh, snatching moments here and there. But if you do, writers out there, if you do have a specific time or place that you can devote and you can say, I'm going to sit down and write one word, that's a great way to start it worked for me for a long time until my schedule got crazy and now I just I have to reset that habit exactly anyway we're supposed to be talking about editing <laughs> <laughs> but I had to share that because that was the that was hands down the best writing advice that I've ever gotten yeah and I think that's that's exactly right is it literally is just do the little and your brain will go oh but while we're here but you need the minimum to get you there mm-hmm Right. And, you know, I read too that, you know, if you wanted to start working out, like every time you go pee, you do two push-ups, mm. And then, you know, eventually like you just get used to doing those push-ups, and like you're working out throughout the day and it doesn't feel like, you know, you're at a gym, like grinding 
yeah or whatever or you know like every time you take a water break like you walk around for 10 minutes or you know some something along those lines yeah and building like workout habits throughout the day anyway this is you know this podcast is free so that advice was free <laughs> and i think that's pretty amazing um but let's get back to ebony <laughs> Um, can you tell me a little bit about what it's like to be a queer black woman? Ooh, that is a big question. Um, mm -hmm. I think the thing, and my uh, my partner and I talk a lot about this because, you know, we're both queer black women. And so, like, it's such an interesting thing because you do feel a bit like the outest of the outskirts, right? Like, you know, you're not the happy white gay guy who everybody wants to hang out with or all the ladies want to hang out with. And you're not, you know, socialized representation of a black woman who is down for her man and like taking care of everything because you don't love exactly how people expect you to love. And that can be a difficult place to be. And I think, um, you know, it, it hard to be that and I think it's hard also to not see yourself represented and represented well in the world um, and I think that's part of why I write the way I write is because I do think it's important even even in a fantastical space right like it's important to see yourself and it's important to see others like you and know that you're exactly who you're supposed to be regardless of what other people say. Is there any other queer black woman that you look up to? Um, I mean I think I think that's hard, right? Uh, I mean, always, obviously, Octavia is forever and always the fave. Mm -hmm. But I think beyond that, no, not really. But I also, I also think I tend to be very like heads down and just move forward. And so I, I, I guess I'm trying not to compare myself to what other people are doing. And I think in that way, I'm like, well, I don't know who, who's out here. What's happening? <laughs> right. Now you mentioned Octavia Butler and like every time we do one of these interviews, either me or someone else mentions, mentions Octavia I Butler. I mean, it's so kind of hard not to. It's super hard not to. So <laughs> I think, you know, what we should start doing is like having like the Octavia Minute in all of these interviews. <laughs> <laughs> the nightlight drinking game every time you hear it. Every time you hear Octavia Butler, you take a drink. That's right. <laughs> Unless you're at work, don't do that at work, or if you're driving, don't do that if you're driving. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk about Octavia for a second. Let's tell me about what your favorite work of hers is. Ooh, okay. So this is the most difficult question to answer, and I feel like I get the most flack for my actual answer, which is I am sort of split between Wild Seed, which I think is just like. It's so amazing and so so amazing as the like kickoff to the rest of that series is like, oh man, this is so fascinating and like all this genetic stuff is so good. And then on the other side, I really love Fledgling, which I feel like is one of those books that people are really divided about. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> you either love, love it or you are like disturbing and I don't want to be involved with it, but I love it. Yeah, well, like, it's disturbing, but I love it. <laughs> It's, it's my favorite. It's my favorite book of hers, I think. You know, I, I like Parable of the Sower mm -hmm. a lot. You know, I refer to it as like a survival manual. But, you know, in terms of like entertainment value and just enjoying the reading, I think Fledgling is my favorite. Yes. And of course, vampires. Yes, vampires. And it's a child vampire. So, you know, I mean, that's awesome. I think my favorite character in Interview with the Vampire was um, Claudia. 
So, you know, of course. It's fascinating. You're trapped in the child forever. Yes. Yeah. There, there's a whole lot to explore there. You know, I would love to see more work kind of around that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things, you're right, that people are like, oh, this is no, no, this is not okay. Or this is great. And there is no in-between, you know. <laughs> and it, it, it's very confusing to read it and be like, oh my God, this is awful, but this is... But, but also so good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't want any of this to be real, but also I'd love to just sit and enjoy it for a while. <laughs> right. For those of you who haven't read Fledgling, um, it's about a child vampire and there are some sexual situations in it, which is why the, it's kind of awkward in a lot of places, but it's, it's not abusive sexual situation. So it's, I, I don't know, I don't want to give a whole lot away. You should read it. It's complicated. It will give you complicated feelings. It will give you so many complicated feelings. <laughs> <laughs> and you will be thinking about that book for forever. Um, I listened to it on audiobook as well oh. as reading the book. And the audiobook was really good. I need to do that. Yes, that, I, that's what I do with a lot of my favorite books is, you know, I'll read them or I'll listen to them first. It just kind of depends on what they are and how much time I have and what I have going on. And then I'll kind of flip and I'll either um, listen to them on audiobook if I originally read it or vice versa. And it's just a different way to experience the same work. And it's almost like reading it the first time for a second time, if that makes sense. So back to Octavia, though. Let's talk about um, let's talk about what it was for her to be a black woman in you know the time that she was writing. Like, what what does that mean to you as a writer? I mean, I think it just it just goes to show you, right? Like, you can make it, right? Because if if, if a queer black woman in you know what's that time period, like the seventies, sixties, seventies, can can make it and like actually put out a ton of work and really do the thing, then we all should be able to. But I think the other thing that that says is you have to put in the hard work, right? Like that, that's the thing. And that's part of the discipline thing too, right? You can have the dream. Everyone, everyone can have the dream, but if you don't put in the hard work, it can't be realized. And we know that you, it can be achieved. It can happen. It's happened before. It can happen again, but you have to put in the hard work. Yes. Yes, you do. Um, speaking of hard work, where can we find more of your work? Um, so I do have a story coming out soon. Um, I don't know if I can talk about where it will be out, but I do have some work coming out soon. So um, okay. stay, stay attached to my Twitter because I will definitely be putting it out there. Uh, Excellent. Time. Um, and then that's basically it for now, but hopefully you'll be seeing a lot more of me. All right. What are, what are you working on? It sounds like you have some novels that are languishing in the revision drawer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Eventually, hopefully, they'll make it out. <laughs> this is the important question, Emmy. When can we see those? When are they going to see the light of day? When are you going to sit down and revive those? Listen, man, I <laughs> it is my uh, Q2 goal. I, I'm trying, trying to think about this again in that like disciplined way. It is my Q2 goal to get that thing edited so it can get out and folks can see it. Excellent. All right, I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to follow up you and be like, where is that edited novel? I was promised edits. Have they arrived? I was promised edits. I would like to see them. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else that you would like to share with our listeners? I hope that folks will enjoy this. I haven't listened to it, right? But I 
I hope that folks will have a good time and get to enjoy spending time with Anna Maria and with Eleanor and just enjoying this world. And I hope that you'll see more of them um, going forward. This isn't the last time the Percivals will uh, make their grand appearance on the stage. Oh, no, no, it will not be. <laughs> um, and that's a hint for something to come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Ebony. I appreciate it and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.